to Horrible Friends. It's a podcast in book club format. This time we've got Dr. Sleep starting off. My name is Kyle. I'm Chris. I'm Mike. I'm Dan. And I'm Jarvis. And we're just going to quickly go over a little bit of history. We're going to go over a little bit of the plot. We're going to talk about the cinematography and and special. Uh, I'm so sleepy. I don't know what. Oh, sorry. I was. Um, bo- I knew you were gonna do this. Like during this <laughs> intro, I was. I've been waiting for it. <laughs> uh, I mean, if you're sleepy and you want to go to sleep, just try watching this movie. You'll be sound asleep within the first 25 minutes. I, I will be Jarvis <laughs> in mimic on this episode. I will just sit here and just let you guys say your thing, and then I will defend it at the end to deaf ears. You're Don't ready to cut. die on this hill, Chris. I am going to die. On the sleepy hill. On, a, <laughs> on the sleepy, on the sleepy hill. Joyless hill. All right. I thought he was going to stop at, I am going to die. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, and that's it. So, Dan, uh, do you happen to know any of the history on this uh, sleepy film? Yeah, unfortunately, I did look up some of the information on this. Uh, so, the director and the screenplay was done by Mike Fartigan. Uh, who's better? How than... dare you, <laughs> How Mike? Dare you, Mike Flanagan? We love him. Uh, he did things such as Gerald's Game, Oculus, and Hush. The story was originally written by Stephen King. Um, instead of writing, you know, different things that we haven't done, I thought it'd be better to just say the movies that we have watched of his. So we have Gerald's Game. Yep. Maximum Overdrive. Oh yeah. And Children of the Corn. Uh, I was gonna say say that again. Uh, there you go. There it is. I think this is our fourth movie that we've watched. That was a Stephen King story. And it probably won't be the last. No, not by half. No, but it'll probably be the worst one. Yeah, far and away. Go on. Um. So, other 2019 horror movies that we could have watched were Midsummer, Ma. And St. Maud, which, uh, if you guys remember, St. Maud was uh, directed by the movie that we just watched the last episode or the next episode. I don't know when it's coming out uh, for Martyrs. Oh, okay. Hmm. Okay, interesting. Yeah, that was uh, Pierre uh, Pascal uh, Lugier. So the budget for this is approximately $45 million. It was a big budget uh, movie. Holy shit, man. Yeah, but the box office mil. it did it did pretty well in the box office. Uh to to my standards it did well. Uh it, it made about 72 million, so it did make a profit, but it's nearly double. But a lot of critics considered this to actually be a flop because it only made 30 uh sorry, no, they expected it to make 30 million on the opening weekend and instead it made about like 14 million. A lot of people were sleeping Oof. on this movie. They didn't want to go see it. There's the first one, <laughs> and and uh, as as anyone can tell, we're we're just going to be bashing on this for for many different reasons. But mine mine personally will mostly just be to uh, mess with Chris because I I didn't hate this movie, but I will continue to play in my facade of it because it's fun. You know, I'd actually be upset if you didn't. Well, Travis, get rid of everything that I just explained and no, just no, let no. it be. No, I hate. no, no. <laughs> I take it back. I need it. 
So our filming location for this is a lot of it takes place in Georgia. We have Covington, Atlanta, and Black Hall Studios in Georgia. Um, outside of the Overlook Hotel, which was filmed at Timberline Lodge in Mount Hood, Oregon, uh, which isn't the original, if you guys I was weren't aware. Ask. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I didn't think it was, but... The, the original is the Stanley Hotel, which is still a hotel in Estes. I, I don't know how to pronounce it. I'm sorry. Estes Park, Colorado. Oh, it is in Colorado. Oh. Mm-hmm. So the runtime for this oh, uh, is 152 minutes. Is oh it Kyle? Un- unless <laughs> you watch <laughs> the director's cut, cut and it's 180 minutes. <laughs> oh, I'm so jealous. <laughs> uh, jealous isn't a word I would use. It's the word I'll use. Continue, Dan. I had to watch this movie over three nights because I could not get through it. <laughs> it's exhausting. Get it? I don't get it. Because it's get Doctor it. Sleep. Oh, I get it. <laughs> yeah, I still don't get it. So our death clock, which we do every week, is um, it, it's where we just point out obvious. I don't need to fucking explain this. It's where the first person dies in that. I don't know what I'm doing. Sorry. Yeah. Simple. I'm used to our our nude clock where I'm like I have to give an exposition for it, yeah, and I'm like, like, <laughs> like why, why is there clock? Why our is death clock? activism? <laughs> we, we explain we, the absurdity of death and absurdity. heart. Exactly. Yeah, where's, where's yeah. your call to action? The absurdity of death in horror movies. I'm so fucking mad about this, guys. I think, what's the point? I mean, what's the point? It's cheap. I just want someone to say boo, and I'm scared. <laughs> now, this just brings it all back to Mike saying that we need to watch Boo, a Medea Halloween. That is uh, March Medeanus coming up next year. Be sure to stay tuned. Month of Medea movies, just for you. Just, it's really just five times we watch Boo and Medea. <laughs> Followed by Month of Cage Part 2. Nope. No, the, the predecessor to that would be the Month of Cage Part 2. Uh, that's right. I, that's right. We're, we're, we're keeping month, month of Cage as a, as a January thing. You want to start off that new year perfect. Just gotta. We're going to watch Con Air like five times, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, that horror movie, Con Air. Why didn't you put the bunny back? God damn, I was going to say it. <laughs> So anyway, our death clock um, is, so it, it depends on which way you want to take it. So either three minutes into it, which Violet dies, uh, but that's kind of off screen. Spoilers, or, Jesus. I'm sorry. I haven't uh, even talked about it yet. Three minutes? Come on. Or or Dini and her baby, which is about 30 minutes into oh, it. Or spoilers. <laughs> and with that. But they die I, off camera, too. They, they yeah. do, but but true. They but do. we we see a, alleged physical proof. Alleged. Well, yeah, we also get that go? with Violet. Uh, true, in a, in the form of a thermos. Thermoses are scary to me now. No, oh my God, <laughs> they, they keep things hot and cold. <laughs> <laughs> what madness is this? <laughs> what supernatural magic is this? It's perfect for soup. Supernatural. Hey. Oh, it's perfect Lord. for soup. Perfect and... for Mike. Steam. How many thermoses do you own, Mike? You're you're a soup on the go kind of guy, as we've come to know. <laughs> I mean, you have to have a variety of colors and sizes for different kinds of like. 
opportunities and situations. A opportunities. Chunky, a chunky soup, you definitely want something with a cup to it. Because you can't you be do. sipping out the chunks out the soup container <laughs> thermos because you just wind up catching something in your throat. It's a whole mess. You start choking. What about a I, creamy? What do you recommend for my, creamy, my soup on the go? A creamy soup, you can just pop a straw right in the thermos <laughs> and go to town on your Did soup. Did you say pop a straw? Pop I'm going to scream a mushroom through a straw? You don't eat soup with a straw? Is it I mean, bingo time yet? <laughs> I mean, I thought everybody knew the best At the way time to of this recording, deliver it's... soup to one's body is a straw. It's about four o'clock my time at the time of this recording. I don't know why I'm not in bed yet if I'm going to suck creamy soup through a straw. You're going to suck creamy what through what now? Don't ask me that again. I'll do whatever I, mean, I goddamn please because this I'm, is America. Also, just, I, I, I see that Mike has uh, dodged the question. Mike, how many fucking of these things do you have? I have nine thermoses. Nine, nine thermoses. <laughs> <laughs> you need one for every day of the week. Two for Saturday, two for Sunday. Saturday and Sunday, those are your on-the-go days outside uh-huh. the house. You need one for the morning soup and one for the evening soup. I just have a couple questions before you jump into your And I'll plot. bet they're super unproductive. Yeah, very much so. Unproductive. <laughs> but it might give some more context to help to, people to... understand this movie better. Yeah. Now, Dr. Sleep. I did not see any doctors in this movie. Nothing. Is he is he a doctor of sleep? Is yeah. he is his name sleep? Is he Dr. Sleep? Is did he go to medical school? What is he a doctor of? Did he just get a doctor degree and he does, he's not Mr. Soup anymore? Now he just demands to be called Dr. Soup with no medical training. Maybe you can help us. Did you say Dr. Soup? Dr. Yep. Sleep. You <laughs> said Dr. Soup. You said Dr. Soup. <laughs> Did, did you just, say Dr. Soup? Dr. Yep. Soup. Yes, I, I, no, I would I watch Dr. Soup. Dr. Soup, though. I That's... would watch that. As long as it's a mix between Dr. Sleep and Dr. Seuss, and there's some <laughs> element of, like, beef minestrone in there, then I would watch that. Everything in Better Rhyme or So Help Me. One soup conversation eternity later. So, uh, our movie opens in Florida, and it's the year 1981, where we see a young girl named Violet who's on a camping trip with her family. And uh, one day she just wanders into the woods and she finds a woman sitting alone by the lake. And this is Rose the Hat, who charms the young girl with some magic. And while Violet's distracted by that, she notices people closing in behind them in the woods. Rose tells Violet that, you know, oh, those are just my fins, but you're missing the magic. And tells her that, uh, you know, she has a bit of magic in her. And next thing we know, all the people in the woods converge on her and they kill her off screen. So quick question. How uninteresting of a person do you have to be where your (laughs) nickname is an accessory? I'm going to call you Mike the Soup Thermos. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I've been called many things, but Mike the Soup Thermos is among the worst. (laughs) (laughs) I... Uh, on a serious note, I am I, I am glad they kind of took this like sort of d- direct to direct to violence approach. And looking around at the characters, I see a lot of familiar faces. Uh, for any of the fans, uh, Haunting of Hill House, really great yes. show, one of Mike Flanagan's best. He definitely keeps a posse. <laughs> he really does. Violet, uh, I forget the the guy with the beard. I forget what he's called. Um, he was uh, in the, oh, that's, I can't that's, remember. That's Gene the Beard. Yeah. Gene. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I think his I think his character's name is uh and this is Barry. 
You got someone called old man, whatever. I mean, it's all uh, the uh, most. That's, <laughs> that's grandpa flick. And that's also lurch to you. And also your favorite thing about Gerald's game, Mr. Glowy eye toe licker. Yes. Mm, glowy eye toe licker. I, I did like the, uh, I no. did like the, the throwback with the opening where like the, the song was playing and it was kind of like an overview of like the overview shot of the car driving. Like I like that. Um, but I, I I wish that it was just a one-time thing and not every scene in the movie. So th- there's my bright spot. I really like that opening shot initially. Fair. At first. So um, after this, we cut to we uh, we cut to young Danny Torrance, who is uh, still getting over his trauma from the Overlook Hotel and having nightmares uh, still of all the ghosts from the hotel. One including, uh, if everyone here remembers, uh, Mrs. Massey from. The Shining. Jarvis probably his favorite thing growing up. What are we talking about? What? Uh, the naked, rotting old woman. Oh, God. Is that her name? Mrs. See, Massey. The, what I will... Okay, so... I am... Uh, and I don't think I'm alone in this. Like, the, the one... The one thing I have going against me is I did not read these books. It's always something that I've meant to. I've never done it. And I know that the books dive a lot deeper into the characters from The Shining and have a lot of interesting backstories. I know they're talked about a lot in this movie, but... You can read? I, I can. Not well. <laughs> um, I can pick out some words here and there. But but there's just so many words. There's a there lot of words so on words. those pages. They are pretty full. Uh, yes. So, hey, uh, coming in from the uh, director's cut land over here, um, there was no information given on any of the other characters. Done. Right, and thank you. Know. That is from our extended cut. <laughs> so far. <laughs> spoken since the Overlook, but this changes after he's visited by the ghost of Dick Halloran, uh, who, if people don't know, he was uh, from The Shining and he was in the hotel during uh, the events of The Shining. And so I summarize this up as Dick gives a lot of uh, shine position to little Danny. Yeah, the dick's yeah. given a lot of positions. You know what I mean? <laughs> I think this is honestly one of the stronger parts of the film because um, I did I did like The Shining. I, I'm not in love with it. You know, it's 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 aged it's aged fairly well, I guess. But like the movie did not do a great job of kind of I, I don't know like separating between the events that took place in the house. And the sub story, which is, you know, Danny's powers. And I, I always felt like that it wasn't there wasn't enough separation through the events. And I actually gained a deeper appreciation for the shining ability because of this talk with Dick Holleran. And incidentally, a pretty passable likeness for all of the characters from the original oh, absolutely. movie. Casting did director did job. a fantastic job. It's how did how do you cast Wendy? You know what I mean? Like That's after so all the, hard. Holy like, shit. That woman did an amazing job because even at her most calm moments in this film, she still was just completely whacked out, like she, she like completely on edge. And after what they did to that poor woman back in the eighties, oh god, oh poor Shelley, what Duvall. Stanley Kubrick did to that poor fucking woman, man. Yeah, and she was like tortured on set. She was. They basically told her just like ignore her and treat her like shit, so she feels more isolated and she really seems like she's going crazy and. Let's see, the thing is, like, the whole scene in The Shining where uh, Jack's breaking down the door with an axe, that wasn't scripted. They just, Jack Nicholson went crazy with a prank, and they just started filming it and just went with it. Oh, are we watching The Shining now? Oh, cool. Yeah. 
Oh, I thought I thought that this was Star Wars with George Lucas. Turns out he was filming the whole time. Basically, he's filming the whole time. Could this be is when I now tell you that everyone has been uh, all guns in this movie have been changed to walkie talkies. I get it. Yeah, that was a joke. Thank you. I got it. <laughs> As Dick's giving the shine exposition to Danny, basically tells him that uh, the shine is an energy that is used as food by evil things like the hotel and even some people, and that uh, Danny shines more than anyone he's ever met. Uh, and the hotel, at least in his words, the hotel just basically ate it up. This is when he, Danny tells him that he still is haunted by the, the spirits of the hotel. And Dick explains to them how to uh, basically get rid of them. He tells them that he needs to create a lockbox in his mind and lock them away. And then we cut to later that night. He's sitting watching TV with Hold on, Wendy. Wait, wait. Hold on. He said something very important that I, I wanted to, to bring I, up. I hope you're on the same page I am on this one. He said, stick your nose inside. See if there's a smell. Oh, yeah. He says, smell this box. <laughs> and because of Dick, I always stick my nose in every box I put it in. <laughs> Thanks, Dick. Yeah. See, I didn't want to give you guys more ammo to shit on me while I'm reading this. Um, no, I never said anything about shitting on me. All right. I want to make that real clear. Yeah. That was not, never agreed to it. Look, whatever you said to me or any other man, woman behind closed doors, it's your thing. I'm not king shaming. Sniff this box. <laughs> Stiff my box. Danny, who are you talking to? Who's that weird man on the bench next to you? He made me sniff a box. <laughs> this is my friend Dick, Mom. I'm smelling his box. <laughs> he was telling me about how shiny things are. Dick, weren't you saying things were shiny, like a shiny dick? And and I had to sniff a box. Dick, come back! Where'd come you back! Go? <laughs> Later that night. Danny's watching TV with Wendy. Uh, he gets up, goes to the bathroom, where we see the rotted naked old lady, Mrs. Massey, once again. And he closes the door, and then all we hear is the sound of the ghost screaming, and then we cut to the lockbox in his mind, slam shut. And now we jump to 31 years later, and Dan is now a man. He's a big, strong man. Gets into bar fights and does the sex with women. Yep, and you know where they are? Where are they, Dan? They're in New Jersey. Yeah, that's right. They yeah. are. It's just a normal day in New Jersey. I do yeah. that every day, getting bar fights and puke on toilets. And I do I'm that. just glad we're answering the age-old question that absolutely no one was asking. What happened to Danny after the events in The Shining? Um, He's pretty fucked up. <laughs> Things probably didn't go great for him. But goddamn, I had no idea it was that bad. Waking up drunk in New Jersey? That's pretty fucking bad. <laughs> so um, he wakes up in the morning next to uh, this woman that he uh, met in the bar. And she's clearly vomited in her sleep, which causes him to run and throw up. And uh, he quickly gets dressed. And as he's about to leave, he looks and sees that his wallet's empty. And so he starts going through uh, her purse to take her money uh, when the ghost of Dick shows up again and tells him to leave it. And Dan argues that, uh, you know, well, she spent all my money on Coke, so I'm going to take it. And uh, as he's about to leave, he hears a noise behind him, and we see a uh, little baby standing in the doorway looking for uh, his mother. And Dan just uh, he just picks the baby up, gives him some crackers, and just sits him on the bed next to uh, his mother and leaves. Did anyone else just kind of look at her and not and immediately just know, like, oh, she's dead? Oh, yeah, uh, for sure. I didn't immediately realize she was dead. I thought she was just passed out. Actually, I initially thought it was his vomit. I was like, oh, he threw up in the bed. That sucks. Yeah, I've been there, man. 
And then, I mean, I haven't, I've never, I've never thrown up in the bed, but I could assume that it's terrible. Have you not? I've never thrown up in a bed with you and McGregor either. No, I've I've never vomited in bed, but I could assume that doing laundry is terrible, getting the chunks out. It's not great. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. It's not great. What else are we going to talk about? So uh, we now cut to a, we jump to a movie theater in Long Island where we uh, see a man meeting a young woman named Andy. And, uh, you know, he's uh, instantly very creepy and uncomfortable. And as he's just leaning towards her, we see that uh, apparently she also has uh, some shine and uses her powers to put him to sleep. Does which... anyone else feel really uncomfortable every time we call it the shine? Like, does anybody else? Or is that just me? It seems just like a forced thing that he was like, what about this? And th- like, he had to just jam it down our throats when he was writing it, you know? Like, no, it, just the, sh- the word. The like, shine? The- yeah it's a racial slur i mean it's like yeah yeah in what way it's uh, hang on pause this hang on hey horrible listeners it's editor travis here i want to make a note for our audience stating that we here at horrible friends do not condone racism or using racial slurs with that said using the term shine for this episode is referring to the powers in the movie and not its racially derogative term. Thank you so much for listening, and enjoy the rest of the episode. Honestly, I kind of wish you did this later, because you've taken the complete wind out of my sail, and I don't even want to, like, read myself anymore. Like, I, I honestly don't even want to, like, continue this episode do you at this think, point. Do you think psychologically and sociologically, Danny was always going to live in poverty because Dick gave him the shine box? Oh, my God. No. And because sociologically... Oh, well, no. now it's oh, like... No. Uh, <laughs> a lot of my summary involves having to say that word, because it's a focus of this movie, and now I'm going to feel uncomfortable saying it every goddamn time. No, no, no. Now, here's here's what we do. Let's collectively come up with a new word for it right now. Oh, fuck. Glint. Glint? I'm not saying it. Looking it up on Urban Dictionary. Glint. I'm Glint. just going to keep saying shine. It's fine. It's give out or reflect a small flash of light. A, a small flash of light, especially reflected from the shiny surface. It's like a shine, but it's glint. Glint is a street drug that is made from mixing various <laughs> chemicals together and forming them into a gel-like consistency. Better than a racial slur. <laughs> usually applied to the lips with one or more fingers. <laughs> yeah, I like glint. I like Call them glinters. <laughs> We're glinters now. Oh, sorry, Chris. Please continue. I don't. I honestly don't want to. No, God come. fucking damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I damn near really don't want to, but I'll try now. It's, it's, you got, got it's it. not <laughs> funny if we actually ruined the movie for you. <laughs> no, but you, you have. <laughs> how, how big is this hill that you were willing to die on? Because I'm already dead. <laughs> you did say. <laughs> Chris, look, you're just repeating the word that the movie has popularized. <laughs> Literally what I was doing, but you brought the attention to it. Well, I'm surprised you guys didn't know that. Like, I've heard that word a bunch I of did, times. but I wasn't going to talk about it oh, no, because you told me about it. I've never heard of it used as a <laughs> Never knew that. Never heard of it. And now I guess that's my white privilege. So <sighs> I'm sorry. So anyway... Uh, so as Mike said, uh, she puts him to sleep. She carves, uh, 
a, what they refer to as a snake bite into his cheek and how she apparently gets the name snake bite andy um, another very creative nickname yep that so these creative. people get given to them oh she gives people snake bites snake bite snake andy. bite andy <laughs> Dan's already killed me, Mike, so don't. You, you, you don't, you don't so have stop, to, you don't have stop, to dig it. He's Denver. already dead. <laughs> I'm already dead. No, I'm just going to cross off some of these jokes. <laughs> Mike will be oh, back Mike, in 40 minutes. Might as well throw your entire notes away then. But uh, Andy and this gentleman aren't alone in the theater. We see a few rows behind him is Rose and her second command, Crow. As Andy's leaving the theater, Crow tries to stop her and get her attention. She uses her powers and makes him stop she turns and rose is there rose grabs her by the hand she tries the same thing with rose telling her that uh, she wants to let her go and rose just says no no i don't we now jump to uh new hampshire for a uh five-year-old's birthday party this uh is abra who she's sitting with her parents watching a uh, magic show and clearly upstaging the magician and really pissing him off there's not many parts in this movie where i'm genuinely like like, uh, can we like get on with it? And like, I, I don't like this, but this part bothered me. Like, and I guess this falls on Stephen King, but why did you name the girl Abra? And then she oh, says, Yes, Abracadabra. I'm like, Because really? that's her full name. Her oh, name is Cadabra. Abracadabra. <laughs> Alakazam, right? She's a Pokemon. Yeah, that's why she always <laughs> teleports because she's Abra. It's a hyphen. Yeah. There's a hyphen a... in the middle name. Yeah. Alakazam. <laughs> Was was her whole existence a gimmick? You know, like what was she birthed? And they're like, well, we know what what we're gonna have at every single birthday party for as long as she's alive. We want our daughter to go into a very specific uh, career path, and I she's gonna skills. be a magician. As everybody <laughs> knows, there's no more lucrative career than a magician at a kid's birthday party. <laughs> they aspire for her to make it to Vegas. Like you could do it. Mm. Play with the tigers. Uh, so it it seems like it's slightly hinted that uh, Abra also has uh, some abilities. Uh, but as her parents go inside, they notice that all of their silverware is just hanging from the ceiling, like floating. And they turn around and Abra's just kind of giggling because she's happy. Like, look what I did. And seeing the, the fear on their face, uh, she kind of turns and all the silverware falls from the ceiling. And the crash that happens is enough, I guess, to send out like a pulse wave of sorts that wakes a slumbering drunken Dan on a bus and causes uh, Rose the Hat to kind of turn and notice it. Um, but now we're just going to keep with Rose, who uh, enters her RV where she has Andy with her. And she's basically just explained to Andy that she's what they call a pusher. She pushes people, can get them to do whatever the hell they want. I like that line because it hinted at who the last person they recruited 40 years earlier was. She had since gone rogue. Um, she was a pusher. She pushed people. And then she became a hot, sexy math teacher. That was her power. Mine is making Mean Girls reference at really inappropriate times. That's my shine. So, thank you. That's what I thought you were going with. <laughs> I just sat quietly. <laughs> just like, I'll let him have it. I'll let him have it. Is this the part where she's like drinking her tea? Yes. Yeah, I, I was like, wow, what a fucking mysterious lady with her hat and her Lipton tea bag. Here you go. <laughs> she did have a pretty dope trailer, though. Uh, see, the thing is, at the end, I'm going to very much defend Rose as a character because I love her character in this movie. <laughs> but everyone hates her hat. 
I never said I hated her hat. It was just an uncreative way to give her a nickname. Yeah, I mean, you, you got Rose the hat, you got Johnny the pants, you got Steve the shirt. We, we got we got the whole fucking gang here. You got Johnny two hands. You got oh, yeah. a New York accent. <laughs> Grandpa the gloves. What are you doing over there? And Grandpa the gloves. Grandpa the gloves. <laughs> He got that nickname <laughs> because he wears gloves. You got Auntie Ascot. <laughs> so Rose explains to, to Andy that by joining them, she will stay young and live for a long time. That would even within the next 10 years, she'd maybe really only be two years older. Uh, so that night, she's brought to a beach for a ceremony where she meets the rest of the group. And they're known as the True Knot. Uh, the elder one, Grandpa Flick, who uh, actually begins a, a sermon. Rose takes a thermos filled with uh, violet shine, which they just refer to as steam. And uh, Andy breathes in the steam and goes through this painful process of turning and passes out. Uh, when she wakes up in the morning, uh, she asks Rose if she's still human, which Rose just responds with, do you care? she's so relaxed about being dead she's not even mad oh, yeah. she's like she's like am i alive do you care i, I guess like, not i guess i don't care uh so after hitting rock bottom uh dan finds his way to fraser new hampshire and uh i, I only have to mention this just because it's somewhat of a thing where it ends up being like part of his job but eh, what seems to be the main attraction of fraser new hampshire is that in the center of fraser there's a smaller version of Fraser. New it's Hampshire. the cutest fucking town in the world. Come on. It, it's teeny town. But this is also where we, it's run by a, a fantastic man who is, uh, after watching this movie, I refer to him as Billy the Best Bro Freeman. If I could have a friend half as dedicated and loyal as Billy, I'd be set. Sadly, I don't. Mm. You definitely don't. It's not after this. Yeah, you definitely don't. That. That's for sure. Sorry, dog. I that kind of guy. It's too involved. Right? Like it's, <laughs> oh, absolutely. Oh, I couldn't. No. I'm tired. I get tired. Just, I wouldn't be interested in my, my friend's problems or concerns or past. It's like, yeah, not no. my problem. I mean, you already aren't. If I was a, if I was a better friend, that would hurt. <laughs> <laughs> Billy kind of sees Dan and recognizes him as a, a desperate man who needs some help. And he hooks him up with a sweet-ass loft to live in. It even has yeah. a chalkboard wall for only, uh, how much was it, guys? $85 a week? a week? $85 a week. Wait, I'm, no. So he has, has, four, he has to one. pay extra for a chalkboard wall? No, no, no. The whole room is $85 a week. Oh, my ass. <laughs> what boomer wrote this script? Like, Jesus Christ. They don't even know what prices of inflation are. And all he's working is a part-time job, and he's taking himself through college with it, too. <laughs> if you look closely, like, in this scene, you can see that he actually, when he reached down to, like, check out the room, he actually was pulling up his bootstraps. <laughs> That's how he got the room. Yep. So, uh, that night, while Dan's trying to sleep, uh, he noticed, like, there's a fly buzzing around. And as he kind of looks and rolls over, he sees uh, a hand around his waist. And as he turns, we see uh, the dead spirit of the woman from the bar. And uh, how did anyone feel about seeing this for the first time? I actually, I had no idea who it was at first. I was like, until I saw the baby. And I was like, oh, you're from the New Jersey. That's where I know you from. <laughs> 
It's no, that part fucked me up a little bit. The baby was God. He, he just oh, had to baby with the baby. Yeah. Rather, the most fucked up part about this, he didn't take the money or the coke, and and the baby sure wasn't using it anymore. So I mean, <laughs> it's it just seemed wasteful. The whole thing. <laughs> what no, a he, waste of good. No, he money can't coke. stand a baby who wastes cocaine. Right? I can't stand him. <laughs> he mean, definitely my... took the money. <laughs> Can I oh, yeah, ask, no, he did take the money. Yeah, he didn't take all of it. Just snort your cocaine back. first. Yeah. Simple, baby. Come on. Just <laughs> snort the cocaine. Just do it. He probably uh, could have lived a lot longer if he just, like, a bump here. In the, uh, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. Yeah, okay. <laughs> stop. <laughs> but my nostrils are bleeding. Just put it on your gums. You'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, well, I know you ain't got no teeth. Just rub it on them gums. <laughs> It'll work faster for you. <laughs> so uh, after seeing this horrific sight, he... It nearly drives him to drink, but he fights it, and instead he goes uh, a floor down and goes to the bestest bro, Billy, for help. Which Billy, being a bro, just wakes up in the middle of the night, and they go to a, an AA meeting, which is run by Dr. John Dalton. Okay. Okay. I, I wanted to emphasize doctors, since Mike <laughs> said there were no doctors in this movie, and uh, the most important doctor played by... Uh, everyone's favorite daddy from Gerald's game, Bruce Greenwood. So is he the doctor of sleep? Is he the... uh, no, he's he, but he's a doctor of sleep, and he does sleep. Okay, I mean he does occasionally sleep, like every, you know uh, probably at least once a day. It all makes sense now. He's the main character of this movie. He is the doctor of sleep. He is Doctor Sleep. The end. Thanks, Thanks Mike. Mike. Thanks, Mike. Um, all right, so uh, long story short, A meeting, Dr. Dalton meets Dan, uh, lovely chat, gives him his day one trip, offers him a job as an orderly at a hospice, because he's like, you know, we're all dying, dead people don't bother me. Anyway, so during one night shift at the hospice, uh, Dan is mopping the floor, and he notices the uh, hospice's cat, Asriel, uh, go into one of the patient's rooms and lays in his bed. Uh, the man appears frightened and says that the cat always lays in the bed of someone who's about to die. Best part of the movie is this oh, cat. Azrael is the I best love, part. Azzy's origin story is the movie that we deserved. <laughs> it's the only fo- the only character that we should have focused on the entire time. Do- Danny is a side character at best. Azzy is Doctor Sleep. I would. That watch, is true. I would rather I would... watch this movie again than watch a movie about a cat. Cats are the worst. I see. Fuck this you, the thing. Like... I knew this was going to be like three of you would finally agree. With me on something in this movie, and I knew at this point Mike would still shit on it. Well, cats are the worst. Everybody knows cats are the worst. What do we always say? You can have an opinion, just so long as uh, you know you're wrong. Yeah, which I I really don't appreciate. But I appreciate all of your opinions on this movie. Just understand that I uh, believe they're wrong. Do you appreciate <laughs> them, Chris? Do you? <laughs> so Dan uses his shine uh to speak with the man telepathically basically glint to, uh, his gl- god fucking damn it. <laughs> <laughs> it's when the fists meet the desk that you know the the episodes are really getting good <laughs> <sighs> the guy dies and he, fa- and he basically tells him it's like falling asleep that was a cool scene though it did it did look cool with the the old man's like steam or his soul leaving his body as he was dying that that was cool i like that 
like they showed the steam because um i think at one point dick does tell him like everyone has a bit of it in them whether they know it or not yeah later on in the movie he does that way. at this point also i'm wondering like was ewan mcgregor cast solely for his like canonically christ-like face yes yes because and, I, at this point, and the just his beautiful voice and no. just everything beautiful about him. He's beautiful. It's just so on the nose, the way he's like staring at you. Like, it looks like every picture that was ever on my grandma's fucking counter. And I'm just like, yep, nope, that's 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 why he's here. He's but he the makes thing. me feel safe. But this scene is like really one of my big issues with the movie, because like you guys said, they explain later that everybody has this uh, glint. and like they didn't explain it at this point so at this point i thought that only special people could have the glint and it's continued into the next scene which i'll let chris get into where we see another person who's special has that glint uh steam but like it's just so confusing with the mom where we're supposed to assume that she died i was at first i was like is that ewan mcgregor's vomit or and then it wasn't until like much later that i understood i was like oh that was she died okay it's just they they just they don't follow through on things and it's it just makes it very confusing i think it was just meant as like everybody has a little bit of steam in them but only special people have enough steam to feed the hat and the crow and old man river <laughs> old man you mean twinkle toes <laughs> you mean freddy Furcoat? <laughs> <laughs> Um, I almost forgot. Uh, I was just going to jump to the next part, but actually, uh, at the end of that night, uh, Dan had gotten back to his his loft and saw that someone wrote "Hi" on his chalkboard and or "Hello," and he simply just responds "Hi." And this is where we see that it was actually uh, Abra, who she's telepathically communicating with him through the chalkboard. But why? Why is she communicating with him? Um, I think it's mainly just the fact that, um, like, she, uh, she apparently is just, I, I think it's supposed to be like, she's as powerful as he is. And she was able to just, I guess, find him by him using his shine to help that guy just calm down and find peace. And so I think like, there's, at this point in the movie, like, they're both like in the same state and New Hampshire's not a big state. So with how powerful we see Abra comes later on in the movie, I think she was able to like catch on to that and find out like kind of telepathically follow him and you know what i mean okay it's hard for me to fight for this because i've already been broken down so hard no it was a genuine question like (laughs) i just like i said there's so many things where i feel like i have to fill in the blanks for it and i'm just like okay and i don't like i do not like doing that when i'm watching your argument of logic it hurts my love (laughs) for this movie okay all right look i'm gonna need you to stop using logic Go, while I'm trying to talk about this movie, go yeah, get take, your glint take box. Take a note from Mike Flanagan <laughs> and don't use logic. Or the word the shine. Because it's racist. So we jump to eight years later. It's now uh, 2019, and Dan has uh, stayed sober and he uh, gets his eight year chip and he's at the A meeting and he just kind of discusses his feelings about never knowing his father and how he only felt close to him when he drank, Uh, made him realize that his father fought the same battle he did, but Dan has chosen to come out better. 
Uh, he still continues his work as an orderly and tends to patients who are about to die. And he also still maintains uh, contact with Abra through the uh, chalkboard. But also during this time, we see that the uh, True Knot is, uh, they're not looking too good. Um, I guess they haven't found any uh, young kids with the glint in a long time. And they're just kind of feeding off of their leftover soup thermoses. But this is when Crow mentions that he's what, kind of could, tracked down. Could we call it their soup kitchen? There's... <laughs> how, I, you know, how about we just call it their Campbell's? Their Campbell's. Mm. That sounds good. <laughs> the Campbell's camper vans? The Campbell's camper vans. <clears throat> this is, uh, so Crow tells uh, Rose that he's tracked down uh, this uh, young baseball player named Bradley Trevor in Iowa. Uh, who I guess just uh, Trevor's Campbell's uh, helps Crow find him. Because I guess he uses it while he plays baseball games and uh, apparently he's like one of the best players in the area, at least in, you know. In Iowa. In yes, Iowa. in the town of 10 people, he's yeah. the best player. <laughs> I mean, he's Iowa... the only kid here, so he's the best kid baseball player we've got. I mean, Iowa barely has enough people to field a baseball team. So if you're the best person on that team you are the best person in iowa uh you guys want to know a fun little bit of trivia during that scene where we actually see a little bradley playing baseball oh please uh the guy who's in the stands talking about him and how that he's like great he's gonna be like a great player one day that is the actor who played the original danny torrance in the shining that's who he was oh that's really cool yep because see, I, I knew he was in this. I knew because like researching this, I knew he did like a little cameo, but I had no earthly idea when and where that scene was. It was that small of a cameo. Okay. <laughs> he uh he only did like one other movie after The Shining, like not too long after The Shining, and then he uh, became a biology professor in Kentucky, <laughs> which surprised me because I didn't really think they believed in biology in Kentucky. <laughs> Which this so this part just kind of really annoys me just because so all right so little Bradley is uh, walking home after the game. I know exactly what you're gonna say. It's mainly the fact that all right, my problem is so original Denny Torrance at this baseball game, like they're just raving like, oh, he's the best player, like he's got a future. So does this? Do these parents just not give a fuck about their kid? <laughs> no one likes Brad. Fuck no Brad. <laughs> like I'm just like you think like he's apparently good, like he's this great baseball player. You think the parents would just probably would have been at that game? Nope. He doesn't have any they, friends. No. He doesn't have what else any are they family. Fucking doing in Iowa? No. Let him walk home. That piece of shit, Brad thinks he can hit a home run off of my kid. Stupid asshole. Get walk home, Brad. <laughs> Yeah, this this kid's going places where? Oh, he's walking home. He's going, he's going places. But you guys, uh, what was uh, alongside the road that he was walking on? Kern. A baseball. A lot of currents. Oh, so I mean Kern. Sorry. It was Kern. That's hella sad to think about. Yeah, that kid. <laughs> no one loved that kid. There were no houses around. Where was he walking? No, he was walking to the know. next town to go play the next baseball team. He's yeah. like, <laughs> It's just me versus the whole team. <laughs> Well, that's the reason he was so good at baseball. It wasn't his shine or his glint. He just channeled all his neglect into being a good baseball player. What do we call that power? Because we all have that power. <laughs> I haven't eaten yeah. in 20 days. 
but I'm going to hit this damn baseball, that's for sure. We'll call it the sad. <laughs> I'm going to hit this baseball as hard as my daddy hits me in the face. There it is. If I had one. Yeah. If I had <laughs> I don't know why the milkman always comes in and does it. It, it. it was sad to watch. This also, they almost got him with, why don't you just get it in the van? Yeah. And he was like, I'm honestly surprised that you say, hey, I kid, might... you want some candy? Yeah. He was like, I might get in that. No, no, it's okay. I'll just walk home. And they're like, Jackie, get in the van. And he, he gets in the van. Do you want yeah. some love and guidance? <laughs> Do you want some appreciation? Do yes. <laughs> Has anybody ever used a panel van for anything other than nefarious purposes? I uh, mean, we've talked about this. I, I, if you rent, if you rent it. a panel van, you should go on a list, and that That's list true. should be kept. If anything happens to anybody in the general area that a van is rented, you're the first person that's investigated. But if you if you buy a van. There uh, it is. Okay, now we can talk. Immediate arrest. Immediate <laughs> was... arrest upon buying a van. Okay. Mike, is this from personal experiences <laughs> with car shopping? Or... How did you develop your sad? <laughs> <laughs> I was walking home one day after a baseball game. <laughs> I was, so I was on board with you with the rental thing. Yeah, if you rent a van, you're fucked up. My dad owned a pedo van that had shag carpeting. He had an afro. And I'm pretty sure, I've never been able to confirm it, but I'm pretty sure there was a, a functioning disco ball in the back seat. Okay, I, Never I, been I, able to confirm it. I don't know your dad, but if you have an afro and shag copping, that negates any negative connotations the panel van has. <laughs> <laughs> that, that van is strictly sexual of the adult consenting nature. <laughs> Big Steve, he definitely fucks. <laughs> Wait, this is a callback to uh, to season one, I think. And yeah, we know that. We know oh, that. Yeah. Steve. Oh, yeah, we know true. that. Steve. Big Steve, Big, Big Steve, Steve Fox. Fox. <laughs> Big Steve Fox for sure. Uh, it's fun uh. to think about other people's parents having sex, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how we developed our sad. <laughs> <laughs> so as you said, he does get in the van, thanks to uh, Snake by Andy. They're like, hey, you should get in the van. He's like, uh, uh, no. And then she opens the door. She's like, but no, you should get in the van. He's like, all right, I'll get in the van. So they take the boy to some kind of it was like some kind of like abandoned like uh, like it was like a sand mill or something like, or something. like a sand mill yeah so they take him there they have him tied up and like held down against the ground and so fucked up so they are going to kill him which he even says are you gonna hurt me and Rose just slowly responds yes and they do kill him slowly brutally. And they just suck up all the steam as he's just screaming and dying. Yeah, it's a pretty rough scene, uh, especially because I'm trying to like, you know, like I said, this movie took up literally half of my day uh, and I'm trying to cook dinner. And meanwhile, I've just got this this thing on blast on speaker with just a child screaming to death. And uh, yeah, it didn't go over so well. You know, like the first time I watched this, like uh, in the beginning, see with like Violet and like they all converged on it and just like cut to the next thing. I was like, oh, good. They. They didn't show the child murder, thank God. And then we got to hear, I'm like, oh God, they showed the child murder. How do you keep cooking raviolis at a time like that, Kyle? Like, how did you, how did you <laughs> stomach through it? Uh, that's what I like to call my sad. <laughs> <laughs> In all seriousness, um, as I've mentioned before, um, uh, a lot of, lot of various sites, uh, horror groups and whatnot, there were literal support forms online due to the fucked up nature of this scene. A lot of people 
in no short supply had a difficult time stomaching watching this. Oh, even the uh, whatever the actors of the True Nut themselves, like after shooting the scene, like they all left set because they were just so uh, kind of fucked up from it. But yet, like the boy who played the the, the little boy who played uh, Bradley was just like, ah, "This is cool. Let's do it." All right, and he, he was the calmest one out of everyone. Uh, just for me, like I, it was very hard for me to watch this scene. It was like just the terror and the pain and just everything on this like kid's face was. I I didn't want to see. I just wanted it to end for him. But it kept going for like a good thirty to forty five seconds, if not a minute. It was bad. They didn't pull any punches. Like no, they, they did not. It was complete exposure on this kid dying horribly. Every twist of the knife. They didn't show it directly, but like it wasn't far off screen. What they showed directly was his face and every ounce of pain he felt. Wow, it, it was kind of a brave way to go, because they they, they commercial or commercialized this movie to like a lot of age groups. But this this was rough, man. You want to leave it there? I mean, there's still more to this scene, but um, so while they're attacking poor Bradley, uh, Abra senses it, and she's able to kind of look in on it. And while it's happening, Rose kind of looks around and can tell someone's there watching. And in her panic, Abra screams, and it it just sends this like shockwave that even gets all the way to Dan and like cracks his uh, chalkboard. And as he looks through the mirror behind him, he's, we see the classic red rub writing, which every time I watch, it, I'm just like, oh, God, the red rub. Oh, God, the matter. The chalkboard said the thing that the move old movie said. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Oh, my God. Said, I, did you guys notice this is related to The Shining? Yeah. I'll, actually, the only other thing I thought of, I was like, man, that lady's going to come up there pissed. Which you know, yes. Yes. I was more afraid of her than this whole fucking movie. <laughs> yeah. It gets worse, too. $85 a day. And don't you dare fuck up this chalk wall. And then this happens. Oh, fuck. I'm definitely paying 90 a day now. It's 85 day, a, week. It's a week, dude. It's a week. It's a week. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. 85 He's actually got a good deal, not an okay deal. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she writes murder on the wall. He just asks who. And then she just writes back baseball boy. And uh, after they've... Had their fill of Bradley steam, they put the rest in their Campbell soup thermos for later. And then they bury him in a very shallow grave and leave. Uh, so at this point, Abra does some research into uh, his disappearance. Um, and that's, uh, she also, as also when she goes, like, she can just now just hear the thoughts of her classmates while she's in school, which kind of also starts to freak her out. And when she's back home in her room, she has visions of the true knot and where they are. So she gets up and looks outside her window and so it's hard to explain this so um, she kind of floats for a second and then she falls and it seems that she's now just kind of fallen into uh rose's mind and so she's seeing the world through rose's eyes as rose is like in a supermarket grocery shopping and rose kind of looks around and can tell there's some kind of presence around her but can't really put her finger on it as she comes up to like a, a cooler she looks through it and sees that someone's watching her and she even somehow kind of actually manipulates Abra in a sense. And then Abra just kind of screams, get out and shatters the class, the cooler and knocks Rose across the room. They're the worst ghosts ever. Not only can (laughs) they not just self-sustain themselves on souls, they have to pick up toilet paper. So they still shit. They still piss. (laughs) They, like that's what I'm they still need food. She's picking up food. Hey, you, yeah, at one point before this is the this, worst uh, saw, ghost ever. 
Oh, they're not ghosts, Dan. Well, you know, you need to buy all that toilet paper because steam is very low in fiber, so you have a lot of like, <laughs> messy poops. So you need a Introducing lot of prune steam. Prune steam, yes. <laughs> I mean, That's like, right. Why, why would you ever go through this process if you have to go and be like live out of an RV? You you're not technically alive. You're also a gypsy. You're well. I'm not touching that one, but um, <laughs> <laughs> Eternal gypsies. <laughs> do you have problem shipping? Well, do we have a product for you? Introducing the new toilet paper. <laughs> the alternative. I mean, the the benefit is you get to live for kinda almost forever. Yeah, kinda except, almost, except but not really. <laughs> Only if you can just you know capture children all the time. So. Yeah, you have to yeah, be basically a pedophile. Like you. You're like, I'll live forever, but I'm going to be kind of a pedophile, but I'm going to live forever. So Rose amazed by this power uh, that Abra has, but she's also threatened by it. She goes back to Crow with this information, which Crow asks her, like, you know, is she food or do we turn her? And I look at it as pretty much just Rose. It's just like the thought of like, no, she's stronger than I am. She ain't stealing my thunder. And fuck this bitch. We're going to kill her, which is exactly what the plan is. At this point, uh, Abra goes uh, goes to school one day, but she leaves and takes a bus to Fraser, New Hampshire, where we see Dan the Man conducting a train in Little Adorable Teeny Town. Did anyone notice that the house number was 1980? I was just about to say that. Yes. I did not notice that, actually. Neat numeric details. And 1980, of course, Dan, was? The year that Evil Dead came out. Also, yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's the year The Shining came out. So she has a talk with Dan, uh, tells her, tells him about uh, Bradley and about the true knot. And he's pretty much just like, no, just I don't show yourself to them. Don't show any power. Just kind of hide and don't attract their attention because then they're just going to find you and they're going to hurt you. Um, that night while he's at work, Dan follows uh, Asriel into a room where he uh, encounters Dick for the first time since he was a ch- uh, uh, so, uh, yeah, season for the first time since uh, he was. Okay. You might. All right. So... Okay. Could you say that All sentence right. again? <laughs> All right. What about seeing Dick for the first time? <laughs> since he was a child. I'm reading off. <laughs> Can you tell us about your first time, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> this is not sustainable <laughs> i'm so sorry Chris. all right all right i'm gonna be serious thanks for stopping by and have a hard time <laughs> <laughs> all right all right back to back to where you were redo that sentence so that night at work uh dan follows Azrael into a bedroom where he sees the ghost of dick for the first time since the eight years ago in dead new jersey ladies uh, house uh, he warns Dan about the true knot and that he urges him to protect Abra because they share a connection and uh, basically also tells him that this is the last time he's going to see him. Going back, I mean, I said it already, but it's true. All the scenes with, with Dick are just the best in the whole movie. I like that they had like this really cool... They, they, they create their own universe with this movie and I like that like the whole time aspect for Dick specifically is just, it's you know, he wakes up and he's there he only, oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like He's like, I have no idea. Yeah, he asked him like how long it's been, and he's like, yeah, it's been like eight years. But he's like, I, I can't tell. It's like, yep. a dream of a dream. Yep. Loved that. But every every single scene he, he's in, like if I'm falling out of the movie, if I'm falling out with kind of the story they're telling, he pulls me right back in. 
And I think out of all the characters cast from the original movie, like his was so spot on at that oh, actor. It was perfect. Yeah. And it's, and it is a shame that this is the last point you see him in the movie. It was. Yeah. Uh, Cause I would have, I would have loved to see more of him in this. Carl Lumbly. Yes. Was Dick Holleran and God damn it. He did such a good job. Well, like the one weird thing with this is that, um, in both the shining book and the doctor sleep book, uh, Dick's alive. So that's where it is a little bit different. And that's why he just had to be shown as a ghost. Because he, since he was killed at the end of uh, The Shining in Kubrick's movie, and he's a big part of this story, you couldn't just not have him in it. And I'm so glad he's in it. So that night, also, uh, Rose uh, sits on top of her bitch in RV. And she kind of, like, meditates and, like, astro projects herself, like, across the country to find Abra, which I thought this scene was awesome. The fact that like, she's just kind of like floating above like all these cities and there's like hardly any sound except for like a, a faint heartbeat. Um, so she finds her way to where Abra's house is, is and uh, she kind of just floats right into her room, which I think it was actually more of like, uh, like supposed to be Abra's mind or brain. And behind her, there's like a wall of filing cabinets, which I think is just supposed to be Abra's memories and her thoughts. As she sees an open filing cabinet, reaches in to start kind of digging through her mind. This is when it turns out this is a trap by Abra and uh, catches Rose's hand locked in the filing cabinet drawer. And now Abra goes inside Rose's mind. It is searching through everything in her head, trying to find out info from her. This is where it's uh, kind of slightly reminiscent back to Gerald's game because Rose has to really pull her hand out of that drawer and we get some classic Mike Flanagan hand mutilation. I did I did like the visuals of um, them like searching the mind. Like it, it was a simple concept of using like a filing cabinet and uh, sorting drawers, but it, it worked very effectively. But this is also the scene in a much goofier sense this is also the scene where I realized that, and I've already said it to you guys, that this band of whatever you want to call them, um, glint stealers or whatever, they're nothing better than just a pedophile version of Team Rocket because they never really succeed at what they're trying to do. They they always <laughs> just fall on their face. They're, they're I mean, the only they're thing is they're blasting off again. They, they are. They're always blasting off again. <laughs> I would argue that there's hundreds of years of success not shown in the film. Right. <laughs> and you know what? And Team Rocket had tons of success until they came up against Ash and Pikachu. And what is what is Abra but Dr. Sleep's Pikachu and Dr. Sleep is Ash. And this is where my sad comes in. <laughs> <laughs> I know I, I'm with Dan on that. It's a solid analogy solid analogy yeah solid i i can't i can't argue it because it's too good back to the beautifully the beautifully done imagery um it is a really difficult medium to portray like jumping through people's minds that is really difficult a lot of movies have done it um but i i think they did it well man uh imagery was very i i don't it was capturing it was captivating uh, i liked it a lot How'd you feel about the hand mutilation? Oh, it's weird. As a director, you know, as a director, you you, sh- you probably fall into a lot of niche categories, and you're good this at cer- is certain quite, things. Quite the category. It's, to fall into. it's weird that Mike Flanagan is good at 
watching women peel the flesh off their hands, right? But he's really <laughs> goddamn good at it. I saw like a behind the scenes thing of uh, with uh, the actress who played Rivera. It's like she said, it's an honor to have your hand just mutilated in a Mike Flanagan film. So after Rose gets her hand free from Hepper's brain trap, she goes flying back across space and time, I guess, back into her own body and just flies right off the RV onto the ground as she's trying to get to Crow and explain what's happened. And that, you know, we have to take Aber out. This is when Crow tells Rose that Grandpa Flick is uh, what they refer to as cycling, which is basically he, it's been too long since he had any kind of steam and he's too weak and his body is just starts to convulse and decay. Did anyone else immediately think, quick, get that man some toes to suck on? <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> quick, he needs fresh toes. <laughs> Again, pretty adventurous visual effect. I don't know if this one worked out as as well as as others nope apparently it's um it's the at least one of the videos i watched about like behind the scenes of this and stuff uh cycling in the doctor sleep book apparently is described much more graphically but to what extent i'm not sure i couldn't really find it and i don't own the book to look through and find we don't read here at horrible friends we leave that to you, the listeners. Again, I ask, you guys can read? <laughs> the fact that we're all able to write these summaries. I'm learning to read. I'm about halfway <laughs> through the alphabet already, getting to the K's and the L's, and that's where it gets kind of tricky. Grandpa Flake cycles out, dies, and everyone's sad about it for a second, and as soon as he dies and he's just steam, everyone just jumps on it and just sucks that steam down. So at this point, Abra makes contact with Dan again. Asks for his help in uh, finding Bradley's body since uh, she can locate the cult if she touches his baseball glove. Because there was a scene where uh, one of the guys, I think his name was Barry. All right. So I wasn't going to say this because you guys are having so much fun with the uh, names of the characters like uh, Timmy Two Hands. And so Barry's name. Anyone want to take a wild guess of what Barry's uh, full little uh, nickname was? I remember it was silly. I don't remember it. Barry the, the Beard. The, the Beret. Nope. Barry Worse. Would pick the... something innocuous about him and just tag it onto his last name. Barry Butt Sniffer. Barry Vest. It was Barry the Chunk. Barry the Chunk. That's what it was. Because he was fat. Because he was fat. <laughs> He's a fat guy. I have a <laughs> yeah, chunk. <laughs> Way more important than a fat guy with a beard. Let's let's have a quick conversation because this goes out to all of you. Uh, my my. My coworkers here and listeners alike. Um, I don't give a fuck what kind of cosmic adventures you have in store. Come and wake my ass up at 4 a.m. for a cross-country road trip, and I'm telling your ass to get in that little train and choo-choo your ass there, okay? Fuck that. That guy's too good a friend. Like I said, Billy, the best bro ever. And so yeah, Abra asked Dan to find Bradley's body, and who does he go to for help? Billy the Breast Bro. She's a breast of fresh air. Do you want to try that again? <laughs> yeah, I do want to try that again. I, <laughs> no, I like Billy better now. Please, Billy. <laughs> Billy's got great tits. <laughs> Those cornrows, I knew I was allured to them for some reason, but all along, it was just his amazing tits. <laughs> it was just his beautiful breasts. Billy the tits. <laughs> Billy. I mean, Billy was the tits in this movie. The whole time they're driving out to, you know, bumfuck Iowa to find this body. Uh, Dan's having uh, like an astro conversation with Abra. And it just looks like every time, like Billy just kind of turns and just, what the fuck? 
Okay. So he just Billy, kept Billy, Billy, the best bro, goes to bumfuck Iowa. Right, I yep. like this alliteration. Let's keep going. Hey, Chris, if I knocked on your door at 4 o'clock in the morning and said we needed to go to Iowa to dig up a body, would you go with me? If it was you, absolutely not. What if I told you we had to go bury your body in Iowa? Uh, hmm. uh, I, my first question would probably be, I was a weird choice, but I guess if we're going, um, are you paying for gas? Oh, absolutely. All right, let's go. That was an agreeable. That was an agreeable yep. little segment. That was easy. All right, wow. <laughs> all right. great. Sounds good, guys. No conflict there. Now, all I, now I know if I need an accessory after the fact of murder, I got Chris. <laughs> I just got to cover gas. Yeah, that's all. I just got to cover but, the gas. But yeah. if you're following like a a, tre- a treasure uh, thing, and it's like, well, there's probably a dead body there. Don't call Chris. Chris is not going <laughs> to dig up that dead body. No, no, I'm not going to dig up the dead. As alluring oh, as, as alluring as burying a body is, I've already made my point clear. It's too early, man. Try again. <laughs> Try me after I've had my eggs and coffee. <laughs> eggs in your coffee? Uh, you don't. Uh, hey, I'm not. My, I'm not shaming. I'm not shaming. Don't kink shame my soups, okay? <laughs> so after a long, long time driving, they get to the sand plant, and they dig, and they dig, and sure enough, they find feet. And guys, you know what feet are kind of like? They're like hands. Yeah, but at the bottom of the body for whatever reason. Yeah. And then further from the hands, you find a face. And then Billy finds his lunch coming back up. Yep. Don't they say something like, we got to call the cops? And you and McGregor's, uh, Danny's like, what? These people are rich and connected. We can't do that. Is that this part? Yes. Uh, it's right after this part, yeah. Are these are these people rich and connected, guys? <laughs> Like, I mean, they're century old steam vampires. Who, who the fuck knows? They're connected living on the road like this. They haven't registered those trailers in a hundred years. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know how expensive those like RVs are? They're, they're super pretty, sweet. They can get dude. pricey. Yeah. So, uh, Dan and Billy, uh, after finding the body, I, I, I honestly, I don't know exactly what they do after because it seems like they just get the, they take the glove and leave. I don't really think they do anything else. They do. I think they, they do. I think they do call the police about the body, but when it comes to going after the true now, they don't. Well, I mean, Chris, who did you want them to call? Brad doesn't have a family. Ghostbusters. Brad, Brad doesn't have any friends. Who, who else are they supposed to tell? That's true. Like, just I, leave them on the side of the road. The crews will figure it out. <laughs> just throw them in the current. Who reported him missing in the first place? No one loved this kid. No one. No <laughs> one reported him missing. It was his coach. His coach was like, shit, we're going to lose the game. <laughs> <laughs> Someone find Brad. It's the bottom of the eighth. We're dying out here. <laughs> Where's Brad? I got a cold pizza with his name on it. <laughs> and a small ice cream cup. He's not going to get his orange squeezes. <laughs> I spent 11 cents on these plastic goddamn trophies for the end of the season. <laughs> if he doesn't show up, he's cut. I swear to God. These fucking kids, they always want their participation trophies. And I always give it to them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, that's nice of you. So um, as uh, Dan and Billy are heading, so I I like this scene just because this, it, just how it, it it does amuse me a little bit. Where Dan pretty much tells Aber like, all right, you need to like explain to your dad what's happening. Like you need to explain to him like 
who you are and what you can do. And she's like, no, I'm going to get in trouble. So instead she just goes with, hey, dad, so I've been talking to this older guy and he's coming over the house right now. And we're trying to like, you know, we have a plan of some sort. Feels like she skipped some details. That could could have been helpful. I mean, it's already creepy enough that she's been talking to Danny for like eight years since she was five. Like, I mean, it's already weird enough as is. Even without... But I mean... um, I mean, Dan, do you have telepathic powers and abilities? Uh, Don't I mean, tell him if but, you do. Oh, shit. <laughs> Not counting the sad. Those Not are counting your sad. Your sad is sad. If your kid had telepathic powers, and there were five, and you found out some old dude was, like, talking to your kid <laughs> through telepathic powers, would you just be like, huh, all right. I mean, once it's explained to me that, like, hey, I helped them find this dead, mutilated boy. Still, I don't think I'd be okay with it. I it's don't think I'd be okay with it. it. It is a lot to take in as a parent. Like you're not gonna talk to that old man. Absolutely <laughs> not. You're five years old. I think I would fight I think I would fight you and McGregor too. <laughs> Honestly. Dan, just stop ruining my fucking movie. <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah, anyway, that's how it goes down. Dan and Billy get to the house and her dad comes out and says, You're Uncle Dan? And I'm immediately just like, uh oh. I think the Uncle Dan makes it worse. Call him uncle yeah. makes it worse. Like, look, I just told her to call me uncle, okay? We're just friends. <laughs> never did. I just tell her to confide in me and talk to me late at night. Come on, it's okay. Dan, stop ruining, stop ruining my movie. <laughs> and you can't talk to your parents about this. Talk to me. That's that's very bad on Dan's part. Yeah, don't <laughs> keep the secret. Don't tell your parents. It's just you and me. That's never not worked out. Why don't you have a seat? Go ahead and take a seat. Take a seat right over there. What are you doing here? If, if, if anybody ever tells you don't tell your parents and you're a child, you should probably tell your parents immediately. No, you should definitely listen. I mean, yeah, you should definitely not tell. I mean. So anyway. <laughs> so I'm just going to hurry up and get through this so I can just stop talking to you guys for at least until the next recording session. Abra touches uh, Bradley's baseball glove. She's able to figure out where the true knot are and can, uh, kind of, and figures out that they're like on the road, like coming to her house or like tracking them right now. They come up with a quick plan. We see Dan, Billy, and Abra drive out to like this campground area. The true knot show up. We see Abra sitting on like a picnic table, and Andy walks up to her, doing her, you know, her little crazy shtick of just they're like, "Hey, you're fine." Be, just come with us and she just kind of stabs her in the neck with a needle full of drugs and it's just like wow this was easy as fuck this girl ain't shit and then it turns out it wasn't ever it was a little bunny rabbit a little stuffed uh stuffed bunny rabbit i love this part because we really get to see a big fight of like telekinetic powers right like yeah exactly i bet this, this is, is what we've been waiting for the whole movie we've been big, building up to this big like mind people versus big mind people and they're going to use their mind powers against each other. It's going to be a big epic battle. Lots and, of cool uh, special effects being oh, thrown in, like space and like everything's going to go crazy. It's going to be awesome. Oh, it's so great. Yes, yeah, so of course. What happens? So none of that happens. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't happen at all. But what does? Uh, there was a firefight. Uh, there was a firefight! There was a firefight instead because this is an American movie. So if you think Fucking we're gonna A-Roy. do anything <laughs> except for gunfight, if there's anything I know Jarvis will agree on in this movie, <laughs> that's <A-Roy>, baby. <laughs> US the, fact, 
fact that this part ends in a shootout is what makes the movie great. I didn't even know that they had guns in their hands. They just all pulled them out of their asses. They're like, oh shit, better get the Glock. Uh, uh, all right, here we go. Is that where they kept them? I think you really so. Think? <laughs> yeah, it's nature's pocket. That's nature's pocket. Also known as the, also known as the uh, secret gun pocket. The old prison wallet. <laughs> I thought it was actually kind of important for the movie because it showed that they, they were vulnerable. They could die. And it kind of makes you question, like, were they just huge pussies? How careful do you have to be if you can die of, you know, mortal causes? You know, how careful do you have to be to live for thousands of years? I, uh, apparently careful as fuck. Again, <laughs> I say the worst way to live. You, it's just living with extra steps. So the big firefight happens. Members of the True Knot are just kind of dropping one by one. They get shot. They scream. They cycle out and they die. Andy gets shot and she runs and uh, hides in the RV. And as Dan comes up and tries to shoot her, uh oh, no more bullets. And she comes out, puts him to sleep, kind of. But she's like sleep, and he just kind of sits back, like, uh, like not really sleep. And then she takes the gun and she's about to shoot him. Best bro Billy shows up and shoots her in the neck, shoots her again, and as she falls down and starts cycling out, uh, she has enough energy to muster two more words and looks at Billy and says, kill yourself. And Billy the best bro takes his own gun and blows his brains out. So after Billy the best bro is gone, Andy finally finally cycles out, Abra Astro projects herself there and looks around, she's like, the crow's not here, where's the crow? And this is when we see that while she's been back home, uh, Astro projecting herself there, Crow has made it to her house and killed her father and has drugged her and takes her away. Billy and Dad we saw twice. Uh, so at this point, Dan is just like, all right, well, fuck, Abra's gone. I lost my best bro. He gets all the way back to his loft. He's freaking out. He almost drives him to drink. But he throws the bottle and... He just kind of finds a way to, since he hasn't used his powers or whatever in a long time, at least to this extent, he uh, tries to like project himself to Abra since she's all drugged up. And she's in the back of Crow's car and Crow's basically telling her like, yeah, your dad's dead. All my friends are dead. I mean, we were going to catch you. We were going to get you no matter what. So all this death is just a waste and it's all your fault. Nothing like gaslighting a child before you eat her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dan's able to project himself to the car, talks to Abra, and he's able to. This is where um <laughs> the one uh, YouTube video I watched that uh, went over more info in this movie where he, the guy says, like, all right, well, here's also more of like the very unexplained powers of the shining come in because he can now just possess her body the glit <laughs> the glinterous <laughs> the glinterous so dan has possessed abra and it takes crow a second to realize that he's no longer talking to her but talking to someone else and i my favorite thing about the scene is just how uh I can't remember the uh, actress name, but the girl that plays Abra, like she plays this scene very well at how she just plays someone completely different. And just the line, just her saying, I'm the guy that killed all your friends is like one of my favorite moments of this entire movie. I actually really liked the scene. I, th I thought it was, um, that was pretty cool. Yeah. I thought it was pretty cool. And I, I like that he comes in just like, yep, this is me. And he's just like, 
these guys scenes always remind me of the Incredibles where he's like, you got me monologuing. <laughs> like, like I, I even wrote down, I was like, whoops, he called a monologuing right as soon as the thing happens that like Chris was about to say. Because yeah, he points out that because they've lived so long, he says how, uh, I can't remember exactly how he says it, but the fact that Crow is just like, I don't need to wear a seatbelt while I'm driving. I live forever. And Dan just uses his powers to quickly jerk the car into a tree, and Crow goes flying out the windshield. At this point, uh, Abra has control of her body again. She gets out of the car, and she walks towards Crow, who's uh, cycling out, dying. And she just sits there and stares him cold in the face, and she's like, I hope it hurts. I hope it hurts a lot. I said, damn, Abra cold as ice. Yeah, a little bit. Also, like during, especially Crow dying, all the other members of the True not dying, like Rose sensed and felt all of it, and she like screamed every time someone died, and especially when Crow died, she like lost her shit. So she kind of projects herself to where Abra is and tries to like cold stare her down, and Abra just walks through her like, "Yeah, fuck off, bitch, whatever." Which then Rose just goes to her little cabinet of uh, Campbell's steam thermoses. And she just sucks down all the steam they've got left because it's not like anyone else needs it at this point. All right, so I, I want to hear who you guys think those steam things belong to because I have my thoughts. I think it's Jeffrey Dahmer, mm-hmm. uh, Louis Garavito, and Albert Fish. That's my thoughts on it. Albert Fish. Mm, I mean, one, one of them's definitely Little Bradley. Why all serial killers? That's team? Uh, well, they're all, um, you know child serial killers because all they could kill is kids mm. but if all they killed was kids why would they have the steam of the serial killers because they killed the serial killers to gain all the steam that the serial killers got from their serial killing are you saying all these serial killers were shines too oh yeah you mean glints i mean glints too yes i am saying that yeah i, I will say as much as i love this movie there's only one part of this like last bit that I like and the rest it it is way too uh, referential to The Shining for my taste. Mm-hmm. As much as I love the movie again, it it has been too much for me. So even I can say there are parts of this that no, I so as Mike said and I just said, it does get very close to The Shining because at this point uh, Dane meets up with Abra and they know that Rose is gonna come after him and it's basically like well if she wants to fight i'm picking the venue oh the only oh i'm sorry the second thing i actually like of the scene is that uh the scene of them driving uh towards the hotel and it's dark and we see them like drive through the uh tunnel and we see the overlook in the distance that is uh actually the same shot as the uh opening shot to the shining when uh they're driving to the hotel for the first time yeah yeah, like I, I saw it. Here's okay. So uh, again, yeah, like we're on the same page. This is where things just become. It's it's canonically the se- the follow up to The Shining, so everything has to be a callback to The Shining. But like, a- a- I get his rationale with moving to color or moving the fight to Colorado because he's he's familiar with the 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 hotel. But aren't there like a billion goddamn haunted places on the East Coast that he could have gone? Like if if that's what this house was, you know, it, it eats people like, you know, it eats people like this. I feel like she could have sensed it out. Like New York, they drove through Ohio for God's sakes. I mean, 
that's one of the most haunted places in the world. Well, I think what his plan was since, I mean, yeah, the Overlook itself is still somewhat kind of haunted, but majority of the spirits of the hotel he has locked yeah. in his head. So I think his plan was, if it got to this point, I think his plan was always to get Rose back to this place and basically just unleash hell on her. So Dan tells Everett to stay behind in the car while he goes into the Overlook. Um, he he goes to the boiler room, turns on the boilers, which was his dad's job in The Shining, but we only actually ever saw Wendy do it in The Shining. Like Jack never, all Jack did was drink and sit in a goddamn typewriter. That's because all work and no play made him a horrible a, psychopath. That made him a horrible psychopath. That's right. But uh, as we see, like the the hallway where like the the twins always uh, were, we see uh, room two thirty seven. And we even see like uh, their old room where we see the cut up door from the axe. Hey, those are the things from that movie. Yeah. Hey, they were in that old movie. <laughs> like my whole thought process behind like these like series of scenes was, oh, cool, that's a real good homage to uh, the car driving up to the hotel. So I was like, oh, that's the, the chopped up here's Johnny door. That's that's cool. They're showing that. That's like, oh, oh, it's the it's the red rum door. Oh, there's a blood river coming down the hallway. Hey, an axe. Oh, it's an axe. It's a, <laughs> twins and an axe. Hey, it's a the typewriter. And uh, I've, I've, I've seen this movie. <laughs> <laughs> so Dan finally makes his way uh, to like the mezzanine area, and he sits at the bar. And just like his dad, he's visited by Lloyd, the bartender. But this time, Lloyd bears a striking resemblance to somebody else. Kmart Jack Nicholson. Kmart Jack. <laughs> a touch force. <laughs> or a, a, a touch forced. <laughs> yeah. Because, uh, uh, again, I think, like, in in the book, like, I think the spirit of Jack shows up. But because, um, like, they rewrote it for the movie to make it happen in the Overlook, they made this scene to just have Jack kind of be Lloyd. I don't know. I, I'd like to read. I, I want to read the book eventually once I learn how to read and um, see how it was different. Those vowels are but tricky. Words are, Good luck. It's hard. It's tricky. But, so Rose finally arrives at the hotel. She comes in. She's looking around and that's her we again, as you guys said, like, oh, we see the old classic blood elevator. And Rose kind of liked it. She's like, no shit, this is the place. <laughs> I fucking love this movie. That was her. She's like, oh shit, for real, we're here. Love Not it. Here. It's one of those heavy flow months. <laughs> Jesus. Negative thirty-five percent female listenership. You know what's weird? No, it actually rose. We we now we're now at hundred percent female listenership. Oh, it's, good. It's super. Yeah, I don't know. All we had to do was recognize menstruation. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, but that attracts it's kind of, it's that be, attracts the it's bears. Crazy when the bears show up. <laughs> <Damn it. laughs> oh, never mind. We're back down to negative thirty-two. <laughs> yeah. Black bears is a small price to pay for female listenership, but we are all going to be mauled by bears. It's going to be like the Titanic, Absolutely. but it's full of bears. So Rose finally makes her way to. I don't even know what room of the hotel was but it was where 
Jack had his typewriter and wrote out all the pages of All Work, No Play. And she sees Abra and Dan on the stairs. Some quick little witty banner. And then <laughs> Dan and Abra put their plan into effect of just looking at her with like white eyes, just like, well, cold stare to death. But it seems like they've, um, like they've trapped Rose in like a mental version of the hedge maze where she's walking around trying to find Abra. Abra does some Mortal Kombat teleport attacks and like slashes at her legs. And then Rose catches her and as she's holding her up in the air. We see one of Dan's boxes slowly creeping up behind her. And Dan, this is where kind of like a throwback to what you said about the Incredibles. Wait, are you talking she about me or almost... the character? I, I don't even... No, you oh, me. Okay, hi. Rose was Rose was almost caught monologuing. <laughs> it was another moment of monologuing. I, I had yeah. that written down too. Because like... she finally is just like, wait, this isn't your brain. She even told and her. She... she was like, this isn't your brain. And she's like, yeah, like, yeah okay, fine. It's like, oh. Yeah. And then she still started monologuing. Wait a second. She's like, wait, this isn't I... your brain. Wait, you <laughs> yeah. just told me Yeah, we've me been that. over that. <laughs> So that's when she like forces herself out. Uh, Dan tells Abra to run. Then she starts uh, walking up towards Dan, basically trying to like turn him. It's like, hey, I know this has been hard, but how about you like you know join join me? So yeah, he goes to hit her with the axe. She catches it and she just stabs him in the leg with it, then throws him down the stairs. He gave and... up the high ground. He get, yeah, that was I, the first time I watched this. I was like, I don't know, Rose. You better watch out. He's got he's got the high ground. I think Chris is more mad that you took that line. I think this is the most mad he's been all episode. <laughs> I may or may not have wanted to make that line, but you know, it's fine. I'll let my cat. I've never one. seen the movie, but go ahead. <laughs> That's true. If you you've never even seen Star Wars and you took the line from I don't care at this point. I just want to get this done. So Rose throws him down the stairs. She throws herself on top yeah, of him. She and does. she She throws yeah, herself she does. on top of him. And she Not forces the most shameful erection I've ever had. No, I, I'll it was a very, very confusing time for me. I was, <laughs> as she was jamming her thumb into his hole. And the hole in his leg that she stabbed with the axe. Yeah, one. whatever. Um, yeah. <laughs> what, what part of this is uh, confusing for you, Dan? I don't want to revisit it. Dan, you, you, you <laughs> seem to really be have a thing for thumbs and holes. It seems um, to be a running thing shame. with you. Don't kink shame. I, I'm kink shaming. <laughs> <laughs> thumbs is what you're kink shaming about? After all the things we've discussed? I like toes. Toes and holes. <laughs> toes and holes. Have you ever had a toad in a hole? Pretty, yeah, dude. It's pretty Those good. Are good. To- pretty good. Toes in the hole is the uh, store next to Toad in the hole. <laughs> <laughs> don't mix those ones up. I'm yeah. telling you, don't mix them up. I think they sell like those little rubber things that you use to like flick through letters. <laughs> Except you just put them on your toes. <laughs> some some poor grandma's going to brunch for an avo toast, and she goes, "Oh, oh, rock store." Rock store. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Oh God! <laughs> I'll take the extra stuffed uh, toad in the hole. <laughs> as Rose is thumbing out some fresh steam out of Dan, as our Dan here said, she breathes it in and says, "Oh, you taste like whiskey." Oh yeah. 
And then she starts trying to snoop in his uh, brain cage there, and she sees all the boxes. What would you guys taste like? I think marshmallows. You're a marshmallow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm thinking like a habanero or something. That's fine. Yeah. Mike's, yeah. Going, Mike's thinking about his abdomen <laughs> soups right now. In a way to get I would say Mike would probably taste like a menthol cigarette. Mike's like, shit, all I got is progresso today. <laughs> Cigarettes and spaghettios. Cigarettes, <laughs> spaghettios, and disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> so Chris, uh, wait no Chris what do you taste like what does your uh, steam taste like oh see I'm also the menthol cigarettes um, but instead of soup it's just uh, Dr. Pepper and sadness yep sounds right so all the overlooked ghouls just kill Rose and she cycles out smoke poof die and then the rest of them all turn on Dan and mm-hmm. then we then see We then see Abra walking around the hotel and she comes across Amber who is now is possessed by all of the overlooked ghouls and chases her around the hotel similar to his dad chasing him. Eventually corners her in uh, the old apartment where he lived and she's able to talk him out of the possession for enough, enough time that he can tell her to get away, get out. So she gets out of the hotel, he gets back to the boiler room, like turns it up higher, and he just sits back and watches as the everything catches fire and the overlook slowly burns down with him dying inside. So what was the logic behind releasing about, I don't know, a dozen bad spirit things to stop one? Because now instead of dealing with one spirit, you're dealing with 12. I think it was probably like a, a last case scenario like a you know a, your plan z that's a pretty poor plan Jesus. z and i'm still learning the alphabet i don't know how far the z down is the list. <laughs> uh, it's it's it sounds, very it sounds pretty low i think this was plan cash money by the director <laughs> butchers yup they went straight to Colorado. They had no other plans. This was plan A. This was like, a bad plan. They were like, I got the best idea to deal with this. Is it just shoot her in the head? Nah, fuck that. We're going to Colorado. No, 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 no. <laughs> so, Abra stands outside. She watches the overlook burn down. You hear the police sirens in the distance. Uh, we then flash forward to she's back in her home, and the ghost of Dan is there talking to her. Um, he apologizes for putting her in danger and also the fact that he told her to like hide who she was and basically tells her that, no, she needs to embrace who she is and the ability she has. And that's when she basically, she kind of finally explains it all to her mother, which by the way, I didn't mention it before, but her mom like had went away on a trip to like visit her, her mother. So that's why she wasn't around when uh, all the shit went down. But basically just explains to her who she is and everything going on just says that they, they just go on with life and, you know, they do their best. And then we get a throwback to the beginning of the movie where Abra's walking into the bathroom and we see the naked rotted lady there and the door closes and credits. Dan, do you happen to have any of that spoopy meter for us this week? Yep. So uh, Team Rocket continued to come up to me every time that they came up so um i decided to look up how many times have they blasted off um 
So what I found was that as of 2018, Jesse James and Meowth, and I guess Wobbuffet was in that too. I, I don't know. Um, they blasted off again about 850 times. So guys, 850 <laughs> times. So so let me do it a little backwards. Um, 850 to zero. How many times would you blast off to get away from this movie? Is it a is <laughs> the scale I'm... counting <laughs> down? Yes. 850 to zero? Yeah. So zero is good. Zero is good. Zero is we love the movie. It's the greatest huh. thing ever. I thought it made more sense than saying 850 times you would blast off for this movie. Like I love it. Let's jump so right in. Chris right. is going to get his wish and we're all going to have high numbers for this movie. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I this movie's not a horror movie. You you can't you can't tell me that it is, and you can't change my mind on that. They had horror aspects of it in that they literally stole characters and everything else from a, a, another horror movie. Um, this is this is a super thriller. It's it's got Ewan McGregor in it. It's there's a lot going on in this movie, and like and it just keeps going. And it, there's just a lot in general. And I I felt like they were on the cusp of something, especially if they had limited to closer to two rather than two and a half or three. Like, I don't know. I want to say spoopy. Um, I think I'm blasting off 850 times. If I'm going to say that this is spoopy, there was no scary points in this movie for my overall. I, it was a long movie, so I I have to give it nasty credit there. Some longer than others. Yeah. Mine in particular was three whole hours. And which is, I yeah ripped to my existence, um, but yeah. Uh, regardless, I I didn't hate this movie. I, it was there's a lot of pieces you could you could pick the hell out of it, and I think we did. And we will years to come. We still may pick the hell out of it, but like I didn't hate it. Uh, um, I'm going I'm going right in the middle. I'm going with uh, the 425 blast offs for my score. Well, I think we all know where I stand on this movie. I fucking love this movie. I, I will agree with Kyle. It's not a horror movie. Um, I mean, there are a couple points that did make me jump like the f- God, the fucking dead baby was uh, very unsettling. And just that whole scene in general with it was like the crescendo music of something scary is about to happen. And then you just cut to um, I can't remember her name, but the dead girl's face and she's just staring and it's just silent. And that just made me so uncomfortable. But I mean, yeah, it's a long movie, but I still fucking love it. To me, I think it's paced very well. I never at any point just find myself trailing off or getting bored watching it. I've I've watched it probably about like four or five times at this point. It, it's casted very well. Love you, McGregor. Rebecca Ferguson was uh, the actress that played uh, Rose the Hat. Uh, Kylie Curran played Abra. I thought they were all fantastic. Billy the best bro ever. Fantastic. I mean, yeah, it did get a little too referential to The Shining, but I love The Shining, so it it didn't really bother me all that much to really take me out of the movie. So, spoopy wise, I'll uh, I'll probably go with like seven twenty, not that spoopy, but overall, I'm going zero blast offs. I am staying next to this movie till the end of time on the hill where I will die. It's a hundred percent. Holy hell! That's a ten get, out of you ten. You get a hundred percent rating. Yeah, I fucking love this movie. Right. Now go ahead and continue. Yep, your shit let's on. flip this fucking coin back the other way. All right. So 
yeah i don't think i've made my point very subtle with this movie so this is this is actually the second time i watched it this is this is a second go around for me did not enjoy it the first time at all i i I found reason to hate a a lot more aspects than i did the second time around the second time around i actually do enjoy a lot of the story i enjoy it though as a standalone story because that's what it should be the issue was that it was trying so hard to like canonically oppress the audience into thinking this is a shining movie and it, or glinting as we've dubbed it, 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 but it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be. These were interesting characters without all the throwbacks, right? What made this movie bad and what made it a joyless cash grab is the entire second act. Um, they, I, they could have made small references and it wouldn't have been so bad, but that was the going back to the house was so improbable and so unnecessary to the story it was uh, like i said interesting characters on their own uh the jack nicholson throwback was was pretty forced um you know the the face the famous face frame they were just one after another all the callbacks this is like a hollywood action thriller larping on sacred horror ground and that's kind of where I leave it. So spoopy, very, very little of it was kind of captivatingly scary. The yeah, the, the mother and the baby was 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 pretty decent. Um, I, I'll probably give it like a like a right around seven fifty, I guess. But like overall, yeah, th- this this movie's four hundred, four hundred, somewhere right in the middle because it is a good story, but because of what the sub story is and what it couldn't let go of, it makes it less interesting. So I was very let down by this movie. I went into it having high hopes because I do love The Shining, but it just didn't hold up to the original. And it would have been fine if it would have been a completely unrelated story because it did have interesting characters. But they felt they needed to lean on it so much where this the last act felt like The Shining's greatest hits. And so and it wasn't even that scary there were some very disturbing unsettling scenes namely the baseball kid getting kidnapped and killed and some of the scenes with uh abra when she was being like, chased by the the gypsy people was scary too so over scary spoopy wise i would give it about 750 Overall, as much as I'd like to give this movie a zero, uh, the scale goes the other way. So I'd give this movie about 750 blast-offs out of 800. And uh, someone just need to tell these steam people that we get it, they vape. They don't need to flaunt in front of everybody. (laughs) (laughs) And You've been waiting the entire (laughs) episode. To make that. I can feel it. I've been waiting since Friday when we were supposed to record. But yeah. All right, forgive me. But yeah, like I said, I wouldn't watch this movie again. But if it was, they would would redo something similar with a similar plot and completely leave out all the shining stuff, it'd be more interesting of a movie. I don't think there's ever been a movie where I've agreed more with Mike and Jarvis on their opinions of a movie than this one. Like, dear God, they, they hit like everything that I feel. Feels good, doesn't it? It does. So it's weird. I feel Join. dirty, though. I feel Join. dirty. Join. <laughs> Come wade in the waters with us. Um, it's Take out the second half of the movie, shorten this movie, and get rid of almost 
all of the shining references and you've got me into the movie and i and i might watch it like one more time which is pretty high praise for me because unless i love the movie something like the big lebowski or something like the thing like i don't really watch movies over and over and over again i'm kind of a one and done type of person i so, that about you yeah you know um wait <laughs> never mind um so i i I don't I didn't hate the movie. I just found it as more of <laughs> I I didn't hate it. It was just a disappointment. Um, which is worse, I hear. Dan, you saying that makes me feel like I should go to my room and think about what yeah, I've done. <laughs> I know. And and I really think this movie needs to go back and think about what it wanted to do because I don't think it executed it well. The best thing about this was the casting. Because I, I felt like the actors did a great job yeah. and wasn't their fault. So, um, spoopy wise, I, I I'll give it pretty high marks. I thought that as even though I joked about it, I thought that the kid uh, Brad being torn up was like pretty traumatic, and I thought that the uh, little kid, even though it was a quick shot, I thought that that was pretty traumatic. So, and, and that's that's kind of the stuff that scares me in horror movies is more like those trauma moments. So I would give it like halfway there like i'd give it like a 425 um but in terms of overall movie it's too long i will never watch this again <laughs> for that single reason and i would I, but i would still give it somewhere in the middle i'd probably give it a 425 if it wasn't so long i'd i'd give it higher but i, I can't do that yeah it's a long movie we uh we made it hopefully uh, you enjoyed us while while we did this uh i Maybe watch it. That's pretty much where I'm at at this. I don't know about the rest of you guys, but maybe watch it. It's not a horror movie, so don't go into it thinking so. Um, beyond that, yeah, I, I do want to thank uh, all the people who assist us with the show. So I want to go ahead and thank uh, I want to thank Andrew Cavanaugh. He's a good guy. He does our music. I want to thank Connor McLeod. He does our artwork. I want to thank Travis Kaiser. He's doing the editing. Good luck on this one, bud. And yeah i want to thank you you stuck in you did it we we all did it somehow i don't think so. anyone stuck in to this point i think everyone no. was like oh my god are you kidding me oh finally then we can say what we've been trying to say this whole time dicks out for Harambe. glint yep glint glint glint's out for her <laughs> glint out for her uh so with that chris uh if you if you're still friends with us do you want to tell all the people listening, what um, they can go do with this movie. Thanks for stopping by while everyone gave me a horrible time. He said you ain't coming over, you no titty having ass bitch. <laughs>